Summer is almost here. Don't you want to go to the beach with thicker, gorgeous, beautiful locks and everyone goes, hey, I love your hair. And you go, Nutrafol, baby. (laughs) You know, something along that lines. Well, take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering my listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and you enter the promo code TSFS. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. I recommend it. I've been taking Nutrafol for years. It's how I got my hair back thicker and not falling out in chunks after I had KJ. Now it's your turn. Nutrafol has been on with me for years, and that's because you all continue to buy, and it really works. I love it. Now it's your turn to love it too. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com with the promo code TSFS. That's Nutrafol.com with the promo code TSFS. Via Hemp, let's talk about it. Via Hemp offers THC and non-TH craft cannabis experiences. Now, I love a non-THC option when it comes to your overall wellness. I'm talking sleep aid, maybe anxiety if you have that. Well, that's where Via comes into play. And did you know even a non-THC option if you're doing fertility or IVF can be helpful? Look into that. Well, Via is incredible. You got to be 21 plus. You can get 15% off with my exclusive code TSFS when you go to ViaHemp, V-I-I-A, hemp.com. They have all kinds of lifestyle products. And like I said, the best part is with the THC or without, so you don't have the buzzy buzzy. Don't you love my cannabis lingo? I mean, the buzzy buzzy. Anyway, I'm unique. What can I I say, look, order now. You're going to love Via Hemp. Use the code TSFS to receive 15% off and a one-time free sample of their award-winning gummies, 21 plus. That's viahemp.com and use the code TSFS at checkout. Support the show. Tell them I sent you and enhance your everyday life with Via Hemp. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Sarah Frazier Show. I'm so glad you're here. I know many of you are discovering my show and listening for the very first time for one reason and one reason only, our girl Natasha. You know Natasha as a mom, a blogger, and most famously, you've seen her, heard her voice from the radio. She is radio host Kane's ex-wife. Today, she gives a revealing two-part interview. The two of us sat down for over two hours, so be sure to be subscribing to my show. Um, You can just hit the subscribe button, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere podcasts are played, so you don't miss part two because part two is very emotional Um, and just so many lessons Um, I think, and things that Natasha and I wanted to share. We state our intentions. You're going to hear them for this interview coming up. And we would love to hear from you. That's part of the reason, the big part of the reason that we're doing this episode episodes together. So follow Natasha on Instagram, Miss Pink Monster. She would love to hear from you. And I'm at the Sarah Frazier Show on Instagram. And here's Natasha. Um, Oh my God. I was thinking about this in the shower this morning, and I said this to you before we started. I said, five years ago, if you had told me that Natasha Elisa was going to be on my podcast, (laughs) that we would have reconnected in 2022, I would have said, I'm sorry, psychic. Mm -mm. I want my $5 back. (laughs) That's a problem. You're paying a $5 psychic. (laughs) Pony up, Sarah. Pony up. Get a $200 one, for God's sake, you cheap woman. All right. Well, let me wait. Let me do it. This is this is like going to be a big moment. So, you know, I for people that just heard that name, you know her, you know, she is a mother. She is a writer. She is incredibly talented. She's an artist. Uh, She look, we're, we're survivors of life and she's a survivor. And you probably also may most famously know her as Kane's former wife. So she is here. I knew her for years on the radio, years and years and years and years and behind the scenes as a friend. And, uh, and then, you know, life wow. happened. And here right. she is. 
<laughs> Just a little dot, dot, dot there in the blank. <laughs> so, okay, here we are. How are you? I know. It's amazing. Gosh, Sarah, I mean, I can't believe it. Like, seriously, if you would have told me five, especially 10 years ago, when did you leave the show? How many years ago was that? Okay, so I left the Kane show in 2013. I started in two. Oh my gosh, 10 years ago. 10 years ago. And I started in 2007. So I was there for six years. Yeah. Yeah. If you would have told me 10 years ago that this is where we would be now. Wow. I never would have believed it. Would you? No, no. (laughs) I would have thought that life was going to continue on with the way it was for the rest of my life. We have we have 10 years to catch up in a podcast episode. Certainly not that we can't do 100 more after this. But Why not? <laughs> we're, we're going to have to do a part A, B, C, D, because people are going to want all the whole story. <laughs> this is such a broad question. Um, but overall, I think people are, one, to begin with, curious. How are you? I'm amazing. I am at peace. You know, I'm genuinely happy and calm and in a place that I never thought that I'd get to, which is insane once you fill in that dot, dot, dot of 10 years. But, you know, I mean, it's it's a gift from God is all I can say that that we're here right now. And I can actually say those words. Okay, so Kane passed away a little over a year ago. Well, actually, yeah, it was in March was the one year anniversary. One and a half year anniversary. Yeah, it's it's actually going on almost two years. So it's like one and a half years. Um, you know, losing somebody and I, I mean, we'll get into your feelings about this. It, How was it, you know, losing him? Let, let's just talk about him for a minute, because obviously Kane is the reason yeah. we, we came together. Right. Um, what was it like, you know, with him passing? Because you guys have been divorced how many years? Oh my gosh, you're going to make me cry right off the bat. You're not even going to buy me a I drink have, first. No, I have all my tissues. <laughs> I have all my tissues ready. I knew I was going to cry. Because, okay, this is a little all over the place. Actually, before we talk about Kane, I want to ask you your intention for this interview. Because I have an intention, which will probably my make, intention. Probably make um, me cry. You know, my intention, and that's actually very clear to me, my intention has been for many years now to use the pain and the awfulness that I went through and my family went through to help somebody else out who is in the midst of it right now. That's it. Oh my God, such a good intention. I mean, you have to make good of it. Otherwise, I mean, what was the point? Yes, you survived, but there has to be more to it, right? There has to be a bigger plan for what's happened. I just don't believe that God would send us through all of that for, you know, shits and giggles. I don't think I should say shits and giggles when I say God in the same sentence, but (laughs) he knows me. He made me. (laughs) That's such a great intention. And you will. I mean, to me, this interview is the start for you of, you know, when I met you, my God, which was like 15 years ago, I mean, you were (laughs) always just this fabulous stylish florida girl i mean you know tons of personality and always sort of had your own thing aside from the radio and were you were a great writer and you guys were such this like you know fun couple at first we all had fun all the time we all went to tampa together we went to vegas together we all you know we really were a family that wasn't just you know the persona we put out there on the radio, I really thought of us as a family. You know, we were all far away from our actual families and going through this new experience together and we bonded over it. We did. And you had such a strong voice there. So I know then, and I know now you're going to have such an even stronger voice and this is going to be the start of helping a lot of people. Well, thank you. And I, you know, my intention for this interview too was like, I just, I want the best for you and the girls. Like I want the rest of your lives to be so fun and filled with so much joy. Okay, now I'm going to cry. Ah, <laughs> I do. I want them to, I want you it to did be it so, first. I want it to be so special. And I actually wanted to do this interview because in a crazy way, I wanted to like 
honor Cain in a sense of like just like being true like to the entire story of what Cain was but also I think I said this to you for me the turning point of anger towards Cain and iHeartRadio and all that was realizing he never really got to enjoy all the success you know and by success I mean having two beautiful healthy daughters you know um yes there was financial success but that is sad you know to me so okay I'm not gonna cry after this but but I mean that was my intention and it breaks my heart too and that's you know one of the things I've talked to the girls about is daddy is at peace now you know he always struggled with his anxiety and you know he was diagnosed with moderate obsessive compulsive disorder and um and depression and he's at peace from all of that right now because he really he didn't get to enjoy it you know um and I think that's the part that people don't realize like I certainly spent a lot of time being so angry and publicly like trashing him and yeah you know because I, you know, I just, I was really angry. Like I was so mad. Like I didn't want to speak to you. I didn't want to speak to anybody associated with that for years. And also, I mean, there was a very vindictive part of Kane. I mean, you, (laughs) you, you know it, unfortunately better than all of us, but there was a fear of like, I don't want to be back around. Cause Eric had said this to me. Why have you never reached out to me after all these years? You know, we were friends for years, Eric from the show. I said, Eric, I don't want to be anywhere around him. I don't want to be in his realm. Oh my goodness. I don't want to pop up on his radar. I don't want, because you just never knew with Kane. I mean, he was, uh, you know, I mean, honestly, else. I, that was one of the hardest parts after we split up was I didn't just lose him, but I lost all of you guys. Um, you know, I was, I was the banished one and I was mad at that for a long time. Um, you know, whether it was you or Danny or Eric or, you know, everybody, I was, I was poison and tainted goods. And it's because everybody was terrified of the ramifications that would come from, you know, angering him, but I understand it. I get it now. Um, that was hard to work through, but especially hearing like you say it right now, I I 100% get it. But yeah, it was really, it was really lonely. Tell us, okay, so obviously, you know, I remember, and tell me if this is true, like when you guys were first together and you got married, because you got married, I think, in what, 2007, 2008? Yeah, we we got engaged in 2006, so yeah, 2007. We met when, oh my gosh, in 2019, when I was 19 years old and he had his first gig doing nights at 93.3 FLZ in Tampa. I was taking a tour of the radio station. Um, I actually went there to go and kind of meet another DJ that <laughs> I had a crush on. I called in all the time requesting Matchbox 20 and, you know, was smitten with him. But I walked by the FLZ studio and Peter saw me and I saw him and like, that was it, you know? And okay, wait, that would have been, was that 1999? I think you said- That was 1999, okay. sorry, 1999. 1999. So I'm assuming the first couple of years, like was your marriage good at the start? <laughs> <laughs> and then <laughs> and then it went down. Oh my gosh. You know, I mean, I've posted online, I'm a single mom again, I'm working on my- Yeah, we'll talk about marriage. that. We'll talk about that. I yeah, love, yeah, yeah. I love but that my, you're so brave What I'm getting that. to with that is- <laughs> You know, I'm not the best chooser. You would think I would pick up on the red flags at the beginning. And Peter and I, you know, yes, we dated since we were, I was 19 and he was 22, 23, but there were so many red flags. We broke up, you know, every six months and then we get back together and then break up. It was very, um, some parts were toxic, but it was also very passionate. And it was just, it was a roller coaster ride. Um, even when we were dating in that, you know, lovey-dovey period that's supposed to be easy. I guess I just thought that once we got married, then it would be easier. Or maybe once we had a first child, it'd be easier. Well, maybe a second child, it'll be easier. And it just never got easier. Um, 
When do you think the first time was that you like really knew? And maybe this wasn't until like recently. But when do you think the moment was you really knew like, oh, he's this is like he's got something wrong bigger than, hey, we don't like compromise together. Like when did you feel like you knew something mentally was kind of really wrong with him? Um, so this would have been, let's see, Soph was born in 2010. So this probably would have been about 2012 or so, like, um, a year or so, maybe two years before we separated. And he was making really good money by then. But I know I was making good money. So he was making even better. (laughs) I was making making good money. money. I mean, when we got here, you know, we were like, scraping together pennies because it was just starting out but by then you know the show was massive and successful and at home he lived in this fear that it was never enough that we were going to be broke at any moment that he could be fired at any moment this is a man who was number one across the board everything that he touched turned to gold and at home he was always afraid that it was, it was just never going to be enough. And I remember we were in marriage counseling and it was over um, money stuff that, you know, I wanted to move and buy a new house and it just absolutely terrified him. And the therapist asked him, what dollar amount is going to be enough that you don't have to worry anymore? And there, there was no dollar amount. He couldn't answer it. Um, or what success in your ratings is going to be enough that you can, you know, take it easy a little bit that you can't get fired tomorrow. That's just not a realistic thing that's going to happen. And there wasn't a, there wasn't that point for him. You know, he, because of his mental illness, that just wasn't at that point, it wasn't even diagnosed, much less being treated. Um, He could just never be at peace with where we were. And I think at that point I realized um, there's something a lot bigger going on here. You know, he's not just a jerk sometimes. There's um there's something maybe chemically wrong, um, something bigger than him that is causing all of these things. And when you were together or maybe post together, was he ever actually diagnosed with something? I mean, I can remember. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. I don't remember. I think you were on the show then. Were you I not did... when we did the NBC4 interview, The Changing Minds with Doreen? Um, she used to do, you know, this mental health segment. I don't know if she does it anymore. And she came to the house and interviewed us and he went public about his diagnosis and what it was like. Um, no, I, you know, what? it's funny. I, I don't think I was there. I feel like I remember that interview, like hearing about it or seeing it, but I feel like it was post, I think it was after I it was post Sarah. I think post <laughs> PS. Post Sarah apocalypse. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Post Sarah. Yeah, okay, I do. And I do remember that. And so it was what, bipolar or what? Depression? No, it was um, moderate obsessive compulsive disorder. And he also struggled with, you know, mild depression, clinical depression from time to time and severe anxiety. Um, but, you know, the the real shame of it is at that point, he could have maybe gotten the help that he needed, but Oh, gosh, I have to think about how much I want to say about this. But, um, you know, the fame is is a devil. And the doctor that he saw as soon as he found out that who his client was and, you know, Peter or, you know, Kane was more than happy to talk about who this was that was helping him so much was more than willing to um, pump him full of drugs that would make him feel better, whether it was the uppers, like the, oh, and it was ADHD as well that he was diagnosed with. So, you know, whether uppers like Adderall or downers like Valium, um, he really just allowed Peter to slide into those addictive medications versus the medications that maybe could have really helped in the hard therapy that could have helped, but maybe didn't make you feel good right in the moment. Wasn't, you know, a quick fix. And, Peter was so driven by work that, you know, he wanted a quick fix so he could just keep going. And, um, oh man, I think all the time about suing that doctor, getting his license taken away, um, reporting him to the FDA. I don't know what the channels are because all the way up and, you know, that was, oh gosh, probably 2012, 2013. And up until Peter passed away, 
he was still prescribing all those medications for him, the same psychiatrist. Um, wow. My God. And I mean, I would absolutely horrible. Yes. Because Peter got worse. I mean, I would, you know, absolutely I, I would get worse. hear the those... stories. I mean, you guys got divorced. Danny left the show. I mean, Kane ended up, you know, leaving the show in whatever capacity that, I mean, it got worse. It absolutely got worse. And that man was in a position where not only could he have made him better, but it was his ethical responsibility to do everything to make him better. Um, but, you know, people, gosh, I can't imagine being like a real celebrity, you know, like a Kim Kardashian or, you know, Angelina Jolie, somebody actually big, because in our little bubble of, you know, a local celebrity in the DMV was enough to be absolutely fucking toxic. Oh, I know. You can understand how celebrities get to the point they become paranoid and they do spiral because it's like, who can you, you, it is so hard to trust anyone um, because well, what people are will give you whatever you want. You know, I was watching the Michael Jackson documentary the other day. People will give you whatever you want just to be a part of that world. And that happened in our world. It totally did. And I, I would remember that. I mean, one of the challenges with Kane was, you know, no one could become more famous. Like everything was good until the show was number one and started being syndicated everywhere. And then you're right. Then everything changes. Like everyone's celebrating you all the time and it's whatever you want. And then it, I don't know if it was, it was probably a combination of things. I don't know if it was our bosses or probably Kane's mental state too, but it was like, then it was like no one could become more popular than Kane. So if Sammy had a TV gig, he would make Sammy's life miserable. If we would go out and people would recognize me before him, he'd make my life miserable. You know, it's just it was like, it, you know, but knowing his mental health, you you know, like there were so many layers to that, you know, like it was so fed many into layers, you know, and it wasn't. Yeah. And it wasn't just that doctor, you know, like I. <sighs> I remember you guys um, when, you know, because he was completely addicted to Ambien, even taking it during the day. And he was passed out during the show on a couch. You know, they had to carry him out of the studio. How do the bosses not step in at that point? And it's because he was making massive amounts of money for them. So it's, you know, cover it up. Let's get him up and back to the microphone and just keep going. And I mean, it, listen, he's no completely innocent victim. He was also a massive narcissist and you know. Yeah, right. And on very top of vindictive to a lot of people, including yourself. Um, but there were a lot of people around who could have stepped in much, much sooner. But I believe they didn't because he was lining everybody's pockets. Yeah, I mean, that's one of my big regrets is like, I wish that I had, you know, we were I was 31. When I left, I started going to therapy, I think when I was 28 or 29. And my therapist is the one that was like, you're basically in a relationship with an abusive husband. You know, <laughs> did your therapist really say that? Yeah, she said, you know, because oh, towards the end, you know, we would go in and one day Kane would be like, great, you know, it would be like old times. And the next day you'd go in, he wouldn't even speak to us. There wasn't a good morning. He would be okay. drinking Red Bull with his back to you, eating combos. And he wouldn't speak until the mic went on. He wouldn't speak to you. And then after the show, he would like unleash. You didn't do enough show prep. What do you think this fucking is? You could be replaced at any time. We can find a new Sarah. He would just like go off. And I bet you sat with anxiety the entire show, knowing what was coming. I would drive into that parking lot by the end, by the time I left and sit in the parking lot for a few minutes and talk myself like, you can go upstairs, you can do this, like, you know, um, but my therapist is the one that made me, I didn't, I thought it was me. I, I thought, well, you know, when I started well, going, he to, was very good at making everybody think it was you. I thought it was me too. Yeah. I know? mean, I would go to therapy. I was like. I don't know. Maybe I need to work harder. My therapist would be like, you work, you're okay. You work 15 hours a day. Like this, that's not normal. Like you don't need to work anymore. Well, but if I just did one more wore the roses story, like maybe that would mm -hmm. make him, ha she's like, no, this is, you know, she's like, this isn't a man who comes in and tells you, I love you. And then punches you in the face. This is not you. You have yeah. to, you have to leave this situation because it's not going to get better. My regret is not, I never went to our bosses and sat down. The one time I did complain, which was then the catalyst for me, one of the catalysts for me leaving was I had finally taken it so long. And I went to say, look, this is not normal behavior. And the boss at the time had said, okay, I hear you. And then the next day called me in and said, look, 
Kane has accidentally recorded this recording of you and Sammy talking about him in the studio when he left. And you can't be on tape saying the things that you were saying about him and want him to change. And accidentally. Accidentally. Recorded. And I was like, if this my friend, you know, for six years would do this to me and hold on to this recording to use it against me. What the frig else does he have? And that was for me the moment I said, okay, I, I have to go. But I wish I had really sat down. You know, I didn't know enough then what I know now. You know, like, of course, what I know now, I never would sit. You know, I never would have stayed well, this in this was pre-Me Too and Time's Up and everything else, you know. So I wish I'd really, you know, ha- had tried to get him help too. Because, um, yeah, for me, I think about now in owning my own podcast and being out here in Hollywood. And, you know, it's so hard to have the amazing chemistry that we all had. And truly the sky was the limit if it had been a different, you know, time and place. I mean, we could have been the biggest radio show in the country, but it wasn't meant to be. It really was something special, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I was listening to your other podcast, The Three Things You Learned About Kane, and it really was lightning in a bottle. Oh, my God. I mean, we, you know, of course, you know this better than anyone. I mean, he'd show prep for five hours a day. But I mean, the truth is, we could have, you could have woken us, the four of us, up in the middle of the night. We could have done any show anywhere. It would have been entertaining as hell. Sammy is one of the funniest comedians, greatest people. Eric was so good at his job. Mel was, yeah. Um, Tell me this. When did you guys get divorced? And, um, you know, that was so public. What was it like? going through that publicly. And what was your truth of the actual divorce that you can share? Wow. Um, <laughs> that's a big question. Um, you know, it, gosh, it was hell. Um, you know, when we first separated, which would have been about 2013, and this is all, you know, I've talked about this on, on my blog or on my Instagram, but, um, you know, we sat down and said, okay, this is it. We're going to separate. Um, (laughs) So before we separated, the reason we separated was um, I told him I, I couldn't take it anymore. The, the addiction issues, the um, whether it was the alcohol or the medications, because like you said, you never knew which one you were going to get. And it was the same way at home. Um, And I said, so it's, it's us or that, like you either get help or we're out, we're done because it, it was becoming abusive. It was, it was just a miserable, toxic place for me and two very small little girls at the time to be living in. And, um, And I remember the next day was my birthday and, um, and I woke up and he told me, you know, you can go, you know, that's it. We're, we're done. We're getting divorced then. If that's, if that's the ultimatum you're going to give me. Um, so at that point, you know, we stayed in the same house for together for a little while and it just, it was, gosh, it was hell. At some point I had to um, pack bags and go stay in a hotel room. And I took out a bunch of cash. So I paid for nothing with a credit card because I knew that he would find me, um, you know, trick track credit cards through bank accounts. And, you know, the girls and I hid out for a little while, um, still was in communication with him so he could talk to his daughters, but it just became so horribly toxic and emotionally abusive at home that I, I just couldn't stay there anymore. That was, That was the rock bottom. Do you hear that? That is the sound of the brand new and delicious You Natural Conception for her in their juicy strawberry gummy flavored. Ah! Oh my, this is now my favorite thing to take. It's a fertility aid. If you haven't heard about them, they are unbelievable with thousands of five-star reviews on Amazon. Go and read them for yourself. And they're famous for their Conception for Her and Conception for Him formula, which Schman, my hubby, has been taking for over a month because it takes two to tango. Conception for Her Fertility Aid is a well-researched baby. They have ingredients like ashkawanda, zinc, magnesium that can help you on that journey to have a healthy baby. So what are you waiting for? Go and order now 
You're going to love it, and I want to hear from you. Check out You Natural on Amazon and use code FRASER20 for 20% off Conception for Her, Conception for Him, and the Conception Bundle. That's EU Natural on Amazon, or follow the link on our website for 20% off Conception for Her, Conception for Him, and the Conception Bundle with the promo code FRASER20. That's F-R-A-S-E-R, the numbers two, zero. Hero Breads. Oh my gosh. Chef's kiss. Do you love carbs? I'm obsessed. Give me a croissant. Give me a tortilla, baby. Every day, slathered with some hummus. Yes, please. And then a lot of veggies, a little turkey burger in it. Okay. Um, That's my own proprietary sandwich. Thanks. (laughs) Hero Breads right now offering 10% off. Go to hero.com. Co. Enter the promo code TSFS. You are getting 10% off. Now, Hero Bread is so delicious and flavorful, soft, fluffy. In fact, so fluffy that KJ loves it, slathered with butter and cinnamon every day. They're known for their products to have zero to one grams of net carbs, zero sugar, and high in fiber. So what are you waiting for? Don't give up being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code TSFS at checkout. That's TSFS at H-E-R-O dot C-O. How ironic. I love this. Got a new podcast for you to listen to. Yes, I do. It's the Dr. John Delaney Show. Schman and I were actually playing a clip from Dr. John's podcast because he was doing the topic of are youth travel sports ruining families? Well, Dr. John Delaney has over 20 years of sitting with families and dealing with hurting people and mental health issues. He has a PhD in counseling. Delaney walks alongside real people as they navigate tough decisions. And this is actually something that I really enjoy about his show. It's caller-driven. I feel like I'm going to have to get a collar-driven show, Dr. John. I love this. Anyway, listen to the Dr. John Delaney Show wherever you get your podcast, or you can follow the link in the description of this podcast episode. I always make it very, very easy to find my sponsors and people that I partner with. So start downloading and listening today to the Dr. John Delaney Podcast. Enjoy. Ten years ago, I lost 60 pounds mindful eating, and today I have kept the weight off. I never think about food. I never count calories. Honey, I don't even use one of those darn trackers or apps. I live with food freedom, and I want that for you if you are ready and you want it. And that's where My Optimal Body comes into play. Visit MyOptimalBody.com to request an appointment, and be sure to let them know that the Sarah Fraser Show sent you so you can qualify for a free personalized assessment plus a bonus free 30-day supply of their gut repair product when you sign up for a customized plan. That is myoptimalbody.com to request an appointment. Why I wanted to partner with Dr. Applin is because he is a doctor that gets to the cellular and gut reason of why you can't lose weight and keep it off. They also work with your mental capacity as well. So many of us are emotional eaters. They address that and their clients see long-term success. If you are ready to lose weight, keep it off, and you don't want to do crazy Ozempic, myoptimalbody.com and tell them the Sarah Fraser show sent you. The wait is over. That's right. Season five of the Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it up into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. All right, how about winning a year's worth of free diapers? Yes, I'm in... I want it. Well, with Baby Gannix, they are launching a fun contest that Schman and I participated in. So you guys all know if you have children, changing diapers is not easy, okay? And it's actually so disgusting and gross sometimes. Literally, Schman runs out of the room. I don't get that choice. Well, now Baby Gannix wants a realistic view of the changing experience. Baby Gannix has launched a new contest asking people to post a selfie of their diaper-changing reaction with the hashtag Poutrets on whatever social media you prefer. Poutrets is P-O-O-T-R-A-I-T-S. Now, Schman and I just did it. You can go to my Instagram and check it out. It's so funny. <laughs> the reactions when you change a poopy diaper. Oh, my God. 
Sometimes the smell. How does how does all that come out of something so tiny? Each week, Baby Gannix picks a winner who will then receive a year's worth of free diapers. So multiple people win. I mean, that is worth it. As I mentioned, we posted our putrid faces on my Instagram at the Sarah Fraser Show. You can go and check it out now. I love the people at Baby Gannix. Of course, I love their products. You've probably seen them everywhere in Target. They've got that notable green top with their white bottles. Their products are so good and uh, so organic and healthy for your child. Now participate in their fun contest of Poochrits and at Baby Gannix. Today's podcast interview is brought to you by Horizon Fibroids. I absolutely love Horizon Fibroids. So many of you listening to this are in the D.C. area. Um, 80% of women will be dealing with a fibroid by the age of 50. They can impact everything, long periods, heavy periods. And if you are trying to get pregnant, you may have fibroids and you don't even know it. Lots of women know that they have fibroids because they have painful, bloating, long periods, very heavy periods. Well, there's only one guy in the Maryland, D.C. region who is a top fibroid specialist. That is Dr. Will Neem with Horizon Fibroids. Go to horizonfibroids.com today. They have a um, client you can submit for an appointment right there. You can find out if they accept your insurance. By the way, they accept almost all insurance. Make an appointment online. Dr. Will Neem, as I mentioned, is a top doctor and longtime sponsor of the Sarah Fraser Show. Also, fibroids impact women of color at a much higher rate. So you should know your health. Lots of times your OBGYN, and we all love our OBs, will recommend hysterectomies, and that doesn't have to happen. Uterine fibroid embolization is a procedure that has been around for 20 years, shrinks fibroids, and Dr. Wilneem is a specialist specifically in that. Make an appointment today at horizonfibroids.com. So you guys were high... You'd left, you're hiding out, you're being very careful about your money because you didn't want Kane to kind of know where you guys were staying. Um, and all right. And then what what happened from there? Because obviously I'm, I'm going to ask you about, you know, it went very public, your divorce. Like he came on air, made an announcement. Oh, that's um, true. This, so, oh, maybe I should just back up before the whole hotel thing. Um, you know, when we were still in the same house together and it wasn't, you know, completely um, just relentless attacks on each other. It was... Um, we sat down and said, okay, you know, he has this big public image. I really enjoyed, um, you know, Little Pink Monsters, my blog and my social media. I wanted to keep that going. So let's hire a PR rep to help us put out a statement together. You know, one of those ones celebrities always do about how we'll always love each other and we're going to co-parent like angels. Blah, blah, blah. So we were going to do that. And, um, I remember the next, this was, we'd like decided that day. And the next morning I woke up to just being inundated with messages about what a horrible gold digging, you know, whore that I was and how could I do this to Kane? And I was just, you know, you know, that feeling of like panic, like, oh my God, what's happened? What did he do? I'm in so much trouble and I don't even know what I did. Um, like I was overcome with that. And I went online and my parents were staying with me at that point to just, um, you know, kind of help support me you and everything. And we all figured out that he had gone on the air and decided to make his own announcement um, that we were getting divorced. And not only were we getting divorced, but that I was a horrible person who for months had been keeping the children from him. I had cleaned out our savings account. I had cleaned out the safe and had um, kicked him out of the house and completely left him high and dry. And he never saw it coming. He can't see his children. He was literally crying on the air. And years later, Danny told me that he had index cards and wrote out on them notes like when to cry, you know, what happened next. And it was 100% fabricated. It was a, um, a narrative that he decided to create. I mean, Sarah, you must know, like, there's just been, a, oh my gosh, I have hundreds of stories of when he just, oh, I, <laughs> for some reason, was, he I got so lost in his paranoia and OCD or whatever it was that he thought it'd be better to create a crazy false narrative rather than just tell the truth. 
Because the truth wasn't that bad. People oh, get divorced all the time. I can't even remember. I don't know what happened, but I just remember the time when he faked he was locked in an elevator because I was- <laughs> That's what I was thinking of. So that's when we were, and I'm sure we'll get into that once we fast forward, but that's when we were actually in court together. Um, and he didn't want anybody to know, but so he faked that he got stuck in an elevator and that's why he wasn't on the air. Little did he know there was a reporter from the Washington Post sitting in the courtroom um, who then put two and two together that these are the tweets. He's locked in an elevator. Here he is in a courtroom dealing with this matter and made it public. Uh, you, you're right. That, but it. that really echoes to where his mental health was. You know, that's somebody who is just destroying themselves um, in spite of themselves. You know, he just he couldn't help that. Um, he was really lost there. Yeah. And, you know, to your point, I you know, I know you were we were talking a little bit about people trying to help him. I mean, in a way, I don't know. I don't know what it would have taken. You know, he, he just was like because you're right. Like it was almost like he just could not he couldn't help it. You know, he couldn't. I don't think he could. You got the PR person. I mean, I do remember, like, you know, people giving him advice. It was like he just, he couldn't even do it. Like, it just would become this huge fabricated paranoia. I mean, mm-hmm. so, you know, you, you start to go through this very public divorce. Um, you are painted as taking advantage of him as, you know, when, of course, now, 10 years later, the truth has come to light, right? I mean... But I'm curious, were your parents so terrified for you? I mean, I think I met your mom and your stepdad. Yeah. I mean, they must I have mean, been. I think I think they were. I think they were really sad and really scared. Um, you know, my, gosh, it was such a horrible time because it's, you know, it's traumatizing enough when your husband leaves you and all of a sudden you're left with this realization that I have these children to care for and I'm completely on my own. But I lived in this just... I can't even think of an adjective, this unspeakable fear of what's going to happen today. What is he going to do today to terrorize me? Um, And I think my parents knew that that was, you know, not an exaggeration, but was absolutely the reality I was living in. And they did their best to try and protect me as much as they could. But, um, you know, I remember my stepdad at one point because we couldn't figure out how he was knowing things. He would know things about like that there were a lot of packages at the doorstep or, and, you know, would send me some text about I was irresponsible because I left packages out. And we're like, how does he know this? Is he watching? And my stepdad went through my computer and um, logged into my like ADT account and found out that Peter was watching me through the alarm system cameras Um you know, inside and outside of the house, the system that he had set up. And you're able to see every time somebody logs in, he was logging in 12, 15 times a day, watching the cameras. And the times he was watching them, funny enough, were actually when it was just me and the girls were visiting with him. Um, So it had nothing to do with protecting the children or anything. I think he was just completely obsessed about it. So I lived in just horrible fear every single day about what what am I going to wake up to today that's happened? Because um, it was a relentless attack, you know, like you talked about the reason everybody kind of dropped off and, you know, never wanted to associate with him, with him again is because they knew how vindictive he could be. And um, yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty terrible. Um, at that same time, you know, it's funny, I, I've, spoken some about, you know, Peter's addiction to whether it was the pills or alcohol, but, um, you know, I was taking medication from a back injury that I had and back pain that I was having. And this was before, you know, everything came out about the opioid epidemic and how dangerous they are. So I was one of those people that doctors were just filling it for. And I realized in hindsight now that I started taking pills to cope, um, you know, for emotional pain instead of physical pain. So then I got swept up in addiction and addiction to opioids. And it was just a, it was just a, a horrible time. And my heart breaks for what my poor girls must have been going through at the time. You know, they were probably three and five, four and six. And it wasn't safe for them anywhere, whether they were with me or with him, because we were all just 
falling apart in this like sea of hate. Um, It was a really, really dark time. Um, Okay. How did you know that you had a problem? How did you know? I mean, I just, I don't know. I just, ugh. I hate that you went through that because like I said, when I met you, you just were like this like light, just this like light, this this beautiful spirit. And it's like I just saw over the years like how you – and you were always such a great mother. You still are. You were such a good mother. That's all you wanted to be. You're so good to them. I mean they're going to appreciate even more how strong you are 10 years from now. But – Man, I mean, how did you know you had a problem? How did you know you had to get help? Um, you know, here's here's the funny thing about addiction. And, you know, I'd like to circle back to this later once we get into, you know, Peter's final days. But I cannot, un- anything I say is going to be an understatement about the power of denial. When you are in the midst of it, The addiction is so strong that you will rationalize any horrible thing that has happened, whether you've gotten in a car accident because of, you know, your addiction or you're losing your job or, you know, your children are telling you that you've passed out, Um, you know, all these like vivid, bright red flags that something is going on and you will rationalize reasons why it's okay. Um, so I was very much stuck in that until, you know, Peter obviously, um, found out about it, um, you know, through tracking my prescriptions or he had private investigators that were constantly following me everywhere. Um, so he decided to use that against me to get custody. And I have, I've never gone public about this because it is so shameful, but I'm okay with it now because I know that it wasn't some sort of moral um, inability of mine. There was, it's not because I was a bad person that I fell into this addiction. Um, So I'll talk about it now. So it helps somebody else, but it took going to court and having a judge tell me that if I didn't get help, I was not going to see my girls again. Mm. And I remember the night before we were going to go to court and I had fought with my lawyers. I had, you know, my own doctors were testifying on my behalf that, you know, yeah, she's misused it some, but I don't think she needs to be like shipped off to rehab or anything. You know, we can wean her off and work through this. Um, We had a, a, you know, a good, strong case. And I remember the night before we went to court and I got on my knees, um, you know, my faith is very important to me. And I remember I just turned it over to God. And I said, if you need to take the girls away so that I'll get better, I'll say yes. Um, You know, I'm not going to pray that I win tomorrow in court. I'm just going to pray that the right thing happens. So, yeah. And that's what happened is um, I was forced to get help and thank God that that happened. Um, Cause who knows, I very easily could have gotten in a car accident or overdosed or, you know, who knows how long that would have taken me to hit rock bottom if I didn't have Peter, you know, chomping at my heels to take me down. Him taking me down actually forced me to get better, which then me getting better gave me the strength to survive that horrible dark place I was in. You know, once I I went to treatment um, and it was, oh my gosh, I'm going to write about this on my blog at some point because I took a lot of journal entries while I was doing it. It was really hard work. And I had Peter trying to um, sabotage the whole thing while I was there. And it, it was really hard, but I, it saved my life. And I came out of that. And I remember I went to my first meeting at the DuPont Circle Club in DC. And I was so terrified like to walk in there. And I found a new family there that helped me just start over and find myself again, find myself in spite of whatever he threw at me. And one day at a time, I got stronger. 
I got more positive. That light that you talked about that you saw in me when you met me, it started to shine through my eyes again. I remember looking in the mirror during that dark time and not recognizing the person that I saw. And she, she came back and she didn't just come back. She came back as, as a woman, as a strong woman who could stand on her own two feet, who could make something of herself, who could not only survive this, but could learn to thrive in it. So if I hadn't hit that rock bottom, I think it would have just been surviving. It wouldn't have been thriving, which is what I've been able to do. Oh my God. I mean, I'm a mess. <laughs> oh, oh my God. That's so beautiful. Oh, oh. I, you yeah. know, look, there are people listening to this that like you said at the beginning are going or in it. When you talk about it, it's like, oh man. I mean, I remember what he was like to me, but I mean, you had it three times, four times worse. And it's like, I just, I don't think people, some people listening to this will get it. And then I feel like, God, there'll be people, they will never understand how, I mean, there were really good parts of him, but there was just this like, oh, it was relentless. It was so, and I just, to me, I look at you and I think, no, I mean, any, any one of us, I mean, you, for the grace of God, you are here. I mean, most of us would have died. I mean, he was that intense. He was that intense. Uh, you know, it was a relentless cruelty that unless you <sighs> experienced it, we could tell a hundred stories. You know, Danny's told her story. Um, and oh my God, just, Mel, I think can't Mel, understand it unless you were living in it. It's just a relentless cruelty that will break you down, but it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to break me down in the end. You know? Wow. Do you feel like you can do anything now? I mean, <laughs> I feel like you can do anything, girl. Like, I mean, you lived. And I mean, the hardest part people don't understand is there are women, I mean, 100% at home crying, listening to this, dealing with a man. And it's not just men. I mean, there are a lot of women that are awful to men, too. So there's some men listening to this. But I mean, there are women just like crying, listening to this because it's like, oh, I don't know. I mean, how do you you know, how do you see the light? And then, and then you deserve so much credit. You deserve so much credit to be here, sitting here today. I mean, honestly, Sarah, and I, and I'm not just saying this to sound like, you know, some humble, you know, jackass, but it's not me. It, without my faith, I never would have made it to be able to say these words to you today. God had a bigger plan for my life. Um, I'm still not sure exactly where it's going to go. I'm just following blindly and faithfully one little step at a time. Like this opportunity came up, you know, you and I have stayed friends and you said, why don't we do this? And I prayed about it and it felt right. And it's just like one little step at a time. I know that it's turning into this bigger, greater plan that oh, God I, had for me. I got goosebumps. I was like, I got goosebumps. Just that when you talked about overcoming addiction, I mean, I was just like, oh my God, she's just... I don't know what it is, a book or something. I mean, it's so good. 